for life telling. That question really sets the stage uh, for us for the next seven weeks uh, that we'll be together uh, here on Sunday mornings uh, at Tapestry. Uh, We're beginning a new series today entitled Do Good. Everybody say that. Say it again. All right, you're with me. And as we walk through uh, this, this series together, we're going to be strolling through the book of Titus. How many of you have ever read the book of Titus? A number of you. How many of you have studied the book of Titus? It's kind of an obscure book. Not a lot of people uh, go there. It's just uh, three chapters, a tiny book. Um, if you've got your Bible uh, with you today, turn with me to the book of Titus. It's just after... Uh, the two Timothys to the right in the New Testament. Uh, if you get to Philemon, you've gone too far. If you get to Hebrews, you're way too far. So uh, take a look with me at the book of Titus. Often overlooked, seldom uh, studied. It's not uh, a sexy book, uh, if you will. Um, it uh, is a book, though, that is rich in in depth and teaching when we uncover what it is God has for us uh, in His Word here. So over the next two months, uh, we're going to do just that, to discover what God has for us in the book of Titus. Uh, I've subtitled this series, A Trek Through Titus, because this little book is all about walking the walk and not just talking the talk when it comes to to our faith in Jesus Christ. And actually the central theme of the book, and and that's what we're going to focus on uh, this morning. We're not going to take a a deep dive and begin moving through the book yet verse by verse. I'm just going to give you kind of an overview of the theme. Uh, You'll be uh, doing that very same thing in your small groups uh, this week. I know uh, the Bethune's uh, group just started downstairs and it looked like you guys had a class full, so um, that's awesome. Uh, so we're just going to be giving you kind of the, the bird's eye view this morning of the book of Titus. And the central theme, which is woven throughout this little book, is this. Behavior reflects belief. Behavior reflects belief. In other words, what you do, how you live your life, is a window for others into what you believe. The words you speak, the attitudes that you carry, the way that you relate to other people, the way that you respond when things don't go your way, the way you react in adversity, what you value, what you prioritize in your life, they all come together to create the story of your life. And as others read that story, they gain insight into what you truly believe. Our goal as Christians is for them to be drawn ultimately to the author of our story. And that's why Paul Challenges Titus in chapter 2 with these words. He says, in everything, Titus, set them an example by doing what? Good. Doing good. Paul provides Titus these profound words of wisdom 
when it comes to living out the Christian life. Do good. Do good. When in doubt, do good. When done wrong, do good. When at work, do good. When you're with your kids, do good. When you're with your friends, do good. When you're out and about, do good. When you're at home, do good. In everything, Paul says, do good. It's Christianity for kindergartners. Stop that. Do good. But how different would the world be if in everything we as God's people actually chose to do good. You know, we spent uh, an entire summer talking about what we believe. And as we trek through Titus over the next two months, we're going to be talking about how that belief is then reflected in our behavior. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter Uh, to a young man named Titus some 30 years after Jesus' resurrection. Okay, just to kind of give you uh, a time frame. Around 63, 64 A.D. is when Paul wrote uh, this letter. He wrote it in between his two imprisonments uh, in Rome. His first imprisonment, he wrote all of the prison epistles. His second imprisonment, ultimately, he would not... Survived. So he wrote this letter, which is one of his last letters near the end of his life, uh, at the same point in time that he wrote First and Second Timothy to these two young pastors. In the 30 years since Jesus' resurrection, the Apostle Paul, who was the apostle to the Gentiles, had taken the gospel beyond Jerusalem to the Gentiles on several missionary journeys, and you can track through those in the book of Acts. He founded churches all along the way. And Titus, the recipient of this letter, was a young Greek convert. So he wasn't Jewish, he was a Greek convert that Paul was mentoring into the ministry. Paul calls him in this book, My True Son. So we don't see it specifically, but it's believed that the Apostle Paul actually led Titus to Christ during his missionary work. Titus' first assignment that Paul is giving him here would be a tough one. It was on the island of Crete where a network of small house churches had been formed by what we believe to be Jewish believers who had come to know Christ at Pentecost some 30 years earlier. Crete was long known for its immorality, its laziness, its debauchery. It was a rough place. Paul writes this to Titus in the first chapter. He said, even one of their own prophets, talking about a prophet from Crete, has said, Cretans are always liars. They're evil brutes. They're lazy gluttons. And so that's just a snapshot of the kind of people that Paul was sending Titus into. And so the culture surrounding the church in Crete was seeping into the church 
over these 30 years. And honestly, they hadn't had a whole lot of leadership, a whole lot of guidance along the way. And that's why Paul is stepping in and, and bringing kind of his golden boy in there to set things right in Crete. Culture has a way of creeping in to the church, doesn't it? Paul charges Titus, this young, green pastor, to straighten out this mess. Chapter 1, verse 16, he says, here's the mess. He said, these folks, man, and he's talking about the church. He said, they claim to know God, but their actions deny Him. Belief, behavior. They are detestable, disobedient and unfit for doing anything what? Good. Man. Titus has got his work cut out for him, doesn't he? This letter is essentially Paul's instruction to Titus on how to get these believers back on track. And his primary instruction is to call the church of Crete to do good. To do good. Beginning with the leadership, and we'll be talking about that next week, that everything rises or falls on leadership, that the leadership must set the example. Beginning with the leadership and trickling down to every believer in the church, he challenges them to bring their behavior in line with their belief. Let me ask you something. How does your behavior line up with what you say you believe? And I ask myself that same question. I think as followers of Christ, we need to consistently be asking ourselves that question. Are we just hydroplaning through this process? Or are we allowing God to actually change us into the likeness of Jesus Christ? How does your behavior Line up with what you say you believe. So many similarities between Crete and our culture today. Between the churches of Crete and, and the churches today. So an article in the AJC, actually Kim forwarded me this article in the AJC this week. I wasn't sure at first why. Uh, the title of the article is this. Minister's Wife... To serve five years for swiping taser and aiming it at a Lilburn cop. First thing I did was ask Kim if she'd been to Lilburn lately. <laughs> Thankfully not. I mean, when I got that, I'm like, baby, what happened? Fortunately, she hadn't wandered to Lilburn. But the story went like this. There was, there was a, a girl missing. In Lilburn, and this is just, you know, in the last week or two, missing in the community, the police were looking for. Um, she happened to be dating the pastor's son. The police show up at the church. Let's don't do this, Caleb. Okay. The police show up at the church. I don't know if it's a Sunday morning or not. It didn't say. The girl that's missing is hiding in a car in the parking lot of the church. And I quote. Christina Cruz, this is the minister's wife, her husband, the pastor, and two of her sons got into a physical fight with Lilburn police officers. 
one officer had his head slammed against a church door and was choked by Pastor Cruz. I'm not making this stuff up. I'm so, I, another officer attempted to tase Pastor Cruz when his wife grabbed the taser, pointed it at the officer. She dropped it after the officer drew his gun on her. Smart. I mean, you can't make this stuff up. It's stranger than fiction. But this is a contemporary example of the kind of environment that Titus was being thrown into to straighten out in Crete. It'd be like me saying, Okay, Jacob, I need you to head down to Lilburn tomorrow. How many of you heard Jacob preach his first sermon here last Sunday? Didn't he do a great job? I think he's down with the kids. But uh, phenomenal job. I listened to it uh, on the podcast, and man, we, we got a good one uh, in him. We really, really do. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's the kind of environment that, that we're looking at in Crete. Just people, supposedly Christians in the church, not having a clue what to do or how to act. And actually acting uh, just the opposite of the way that God calls us to. The church in Crete and its leadership were an absolute mess. And so Paul gets in there um, uh, to let Titus know, that uh, they're, to, to tell Titus that their behavior is a reflection of what they believe, which is true for all of us, and to remember that the world is watching, that the entire island is looking to them to see how Christians live and what this new life is all about. Paul goes on to say this. He said, our people must learn to devote themselves to doing what is what? Good. I mean, it's so simple. The truths that rise out of this book. But it's just not that easy to do, is it? There's so much coming against us in this culture. Paul says it's not rocket science. If you claim to be a follower of Jesus, follow him. Do good. And these three short chapters really bring balance. And we'll see this as we move through this book. They bring balance to the gospel of grace. They remind us that salvation, this free gift of God, comes with great responsibility. As Paul told the Ephesians in Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, a lot of times we just we just quote and we just memorize and read uh, the the first two verses of this this stanza, but uh, we we fail to go on. But listen to this: for it is by grace, this free unmerited gift of God, that you've been saved, just through your faith in Jesus Christ, and not from yourselves. You didn't do anything to earn it. It's a gift of God. It's not by your works or anything that you perform to get into God's good graces so that none of us can boast. And the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And oftentimes we stop right there. But listen to this. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good. 
You were created. You're God's masterpiece. And you were created for the purpose of doing good according to God's plan, which He prepared in advance for you. Before the foundation of the world, God prepared good things for you to do. And so the question is, are we living into the good things that God has prepared for us to do? Is our behavior lining up with what we say we believe? We were saved to serve. Man, that's been around forever. It's so true. Not to sit, but to serve. Saved by God's grace to do good. Seems so simple. Not to be conformed to the pattern of this world but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds into the likeness of Jesus Christ, who was the greatest servant to ever walk the earth. And He is our model. Is that the story your life is telling? Or are you being pressed into the mold of this world like the church of Crete? Is that the story that our church is telling? Or are we being pressed into the mold of this world like the church in Crete? Is your behavior, is our behavior a reflection of what we say we believe? Now I want to be very, very clear here. Good works don't get you into heaven. But they're evidence you're going there. Are you with me? Good works don't get you into heaven. But they are a natural outflow of a new creation in Christ. Jesus said, you'll know them. Talking about my followers, my disciples, my students. He said, you'll know them by their what? Fruit. You'll know them. But these are Jesus' words. He didn't say you'll know them because they're all about the grace of God. I'm all about the grace of God. But Jesus said you'll know them by what manifests on the outside. Not just what they say they believe, but how they behave. There's a whole grace movement out there. That will not even, that, that flinches at the word behavior. I don't know if any of you have ever bumped into it. It'll lead you astray. Is your behavior a reflection of what you say you believe? When it comes to behavior, hear this it's not about salvation. It's about representation. Your behavior doesn't save you. But it represents Christ and His light in this world to draw others to that light. As we set an example for others to see Christ in us. It's not always easy though, is it? Swimming upstream. Do you ever get weary 
of doing the right thing? You ever get tired of doing good? When it seems like nobody really notices or appreciates it? Do you ever wonder if doing good really makes a difference, if it really matters? If you humbling yourself, if you serving, if you putting others' needs ahead of your own makes any difference, what's the point? Why not just jump in the stream with everybody else, focus on number one, and get everything you can out of this life? That's what the church in Crete was doing. Whether they knew better or not, that's where they were. They got tired of swimming against the current and just went with the flow. It's tempting. The current of culture is powerful. And it permeates our lives and seeps into our lives from absolutely every direction. Titus's job was to restore a good faith on the Isle of Crete. I, I can't even imagine that assignment, uh, to be honest with you. And he, you know, it, uh, literally, you know, I picture it's just like, it's like Jacob, you know. I mean, he's just stepping into this whole world of ministry and, you know, just beginning this journey, you know. He's not jaded and cynical yet or anything like that. That's a joke, by the way. Um, and then his first assignment is something of that magnitude. I, I mean, it's just mind-blowing. Titus is charged with restoring a good faith to the Isle of Crete because as Christians, God has set us apart. That's what the word, the Greek word for holy literally means. Hagias means to be set apart for special service. It was the definition of the special dishes that they would bring out for special guests and only at certain times. Those dishes were set apart and they were brought out for special service. That's what we are as followers of Jesus Christ. Set apart to be different, to be a reflection of God's goodness and God's grace. To be a people whose lives tell not our own story, but His story. Paul challenged the Galatians again, and I challenge you with these words this morning. If you're tired of doing good... (laughs) Compassion, fatigue, weary of putting yourself last, putting other people's needs first. Man, I get it. I get it. Paul said this to the Galatians. Man, let us not become weary in doing good. This is not an easy charge. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up perseverance consistently laced through the new testament follow christ live like christ be an example of christ serve like christ put others needs ahead of your own humble yourself and god promises us that in the proper time 
we will reap a harvest if we don't get. Don't give up. Keep doing good. You reap what you sow. It's an eternal principle. The word good is found a total of eight times in this little book of Titus. It weaves its way through all three chapters. It's a book that brings clarity to the relationship between God's good grace and our good works. The whole of the Christian life is not one or the other of those. The whole of the Christian life is a both and. And so over the next seven weeks, we're going to be focused on what it looks like to do good as a church and as individual followers of Jesus Christ. And we're going to pay special attention to the stories that our lives are telling a watching world. This series uh, is going to culminate uh, at the end of October and uh, on Saturday, October the 26th, and if you've got your calendars with you right now, pull them out. It's legal. Do it. Um, set aside the morning, Saturday morning of October the 26th. I want everybody in the church, if you possibly can, to prioritize this day together. Um, October the 26th is going to be what we're calling our do-good day. Okay, we're going to get out into Roswell, into our community, and we're going to serve that day. And I'm challenging everybody in the church, if you're available and you don't have other things going on that day, to prioritize this because we want to get out there and show this, this community that our behavior lines up with our beliefs and we want to be Christ-like and we want to serve the folks in Roswell. And that's what October 26th, our do-good day, is going to be all about. Um, I've asked Bruce Gonzalez, Bruce, come on up here, brother. To, uh, to, to be working on this. And over the last three or four weeks, Bruce has been doing a phenomenal job of putting this Do Good Day together. I think Terry's probably helped a little bit, hasn't she? She probably has. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, Kevin McGady remotely. And Kevin, that's right, in Ohio. Um, so I'm going to ask Bruce if, if he would to share a little bit about that Do Good Day and ask you guys to prioritize it on your calendars. Sure. Bruce. Thank you, Phil. Um, it's, first of all, an honor to uh, be a partner at this church and to participate in this do-good service. And um, as Phil mentioned, he actually took one of my props away by getting out your phone and, and marking off uh, a half a day on October the 26th to do good. Um, we've set a goal of 50 tapestry partners participating in this. And I know that's a very aggressive goal, but I'm confident that we can do it. And therefore, we've put together something that, that adults, women, children, families of all sizes can do. Um, and first of all, um, you know, next Sunday, we're going to have uh, sign-up sheets out in the narthex like we have with the uh, small groups. So you'll have an opportunity to sign up for one of these uh, events. And I'm going to go through them in just a second. Um, we'll have an insert in the bulletin that will briefly describe those uh, events, and you'll have an opportunity to also sign up online. Um, in order to give you an opportunity to pray and think about what you might want to do, um, I'm going to go through what we have lined up thus far. 
and you're probably familiar with many of these activities, um, and not everything is finalized, but these are. Uh, first of all, Foster Care Support Foundation, and what I'll say is all these activities are within probably two to three miles of the church, so it's not like we're going to have to drive, you know, an hour to get anywhere. Um, but we have 10 slots right now, and we can increase that at Foster Care Support Foundation. And there's a whole list of activities and things that we can do that day. Um, uh, and then the Drake House. I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Drake House, but it's for homeless women with children. Um, they have a thrift store. That, in fact, they have three thrift stores. One is right off of Mimosa. And uh, there's some activities there, pressure washing and painting and such, for somewhere between five and ten volunteers. Um, and then right down the street, North Fulton Community Charities, that just so happens to be their warm coat day. And it's hard to imagine that anybody's going to need a warm coat with the weather that we've been having right now. And, um, but, but think about that, first of all, in terms of donating some warm coats. I'm, I'm sure that we would all gladly donate all of our warm coats right now. But we've got uh, currently six volunteers to be involved in the distribution day, and that would be from like 9.30 to 1.30. So it's a little longer than a half day, but I'm sure you'd be blessed. And we can increase the number of volunteers from six to a greater number if we need to. And then finally, I'm going to go over to the Children's Development Academy, which is right near the old, where the old Krispy Kreme location is. Um, there you have a, a whole list of things that we might be able to sign up for. For the children, um, uh, I know in the past we have uh, a ministry at the nursing home off of Green Street. Um, we're going to put together some blessing bags for those residents, um, uh, hygiene kits uh, for the Ronald McDonald House, and snack bags for the Ronald McDonald House. When you think about the children that are at the Ronald McDonald House, their families, um, the children go over to Scottish Rite, and the families pick up these snack bags and take them with them so they've got something to eat while they're waiting on the children to go through whatever they're going through. So um, that's just a list of what we have so far. Um, I want to thank you in advance, um, Phil, for giving us the opportunity to help organize this. Um, and uh, we really do appreciate your, uh, your, uh, your participation. And that's it. Thank you, Bruce. Okay. Just want to thank Bruce and his team for doing such a good job of putting all this together. It's literally going to be just plug and play that day, so uh, prioritize it. We're going to have T-shirts for everybody, if that's an incentive. Um, it's going to say Tapestry Community Church, we're out there. Are you with me? Okay. Um, so uh, anyway, that's going to be the culmination of this whole series. So you guys get plugged into your small groups uh, this week, start developing those relationships a little bit deeper there. And, uh, and then on October the 26th, we're uh, literally going to walk the walk together. So I'm looking forward to that. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you for this uh, just rich instruction on how we're to live our lives uh, based on uh, what we believe, uh, based on uh, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Uh, I pray this morning, Father, uh, for anyone here who uh, doesn't know Jesus, has not made the decision uh, to trust Jesus for the forgiveness of their sin and uh, to, to step over the line and uh, invite Him in to be their Lord and Savior. I pray today would be the day, Father, that the angels resort, rejoice on their behalf. Uh, Lord, I, we just uh, pray for your continued 
wisdom, your guidance, uh, your comfort, and your care for the victims uh, of Dorian, uh, especially in the Bahamas and, and in uh, other areas that were affected. Uh, Lord, we just pray for a covering uh, of, of your love, your grace, and your comfort, and we pray that uh, Christians would, uh, Lord, um, put their belief in action uh, for all those who are in need, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.